What's up, guys? This is Miles Markowitz. And this is Brad Thomas. Here to give you the best sports insights to beat your book. You only need to ask one question. What's the spread? All right, welcome into another edition of What's the Spread? We got week two in college, week one in the NFL. Mr. Brad Thomas. How was Back that last weekend? At it. Man, it felt so good to root on my Bama boys. One thing I want to say is make sure everyone's not overreacting from some of the things that we saw. But, man, some of these teams look awful. Like, they look like they wanted to use this year as an excuse for COVID. Yeah, I feel like we're definitely going to talk about a few of those teams today. And really, just, you know, across the board, it was a wild week one. I mean, it, it has been a long time since I can remember such a good slate of football games to start the year now we kind of got to get into week two and three and before conference play starts so it's the slate is not as packed but college football saturday never fails to disappoint all right man you know what i want to talk about first yes number one on the docket what do we have miles i know you're super stoked for this game we got number 12 oregon at number three ohio state i will be in attendance for the first game in ohio stadium since the world ended, uh, Ohio State, uh, as of right now, they are sitting at about minus 14 and a half. So I, I've seen minus 14 in a lot of places, but I wanted to talk about this line in particular. Something tells me that it might even go up. We got a big noon kickoff here. Yes. We got the Oregon Ducks traveling, and they're not happy, by the way. They're traveling all the way from the West Coast to essentially play the, a 9 o'clock a.m. game. They didn't get to play us last year at their house. It's crazy that this game is still happening. However... I've gone back and forth on this. And listen, we're not going to have Ohio State on the show too many times. They're only playing a handful of big games. I'm going with Ohio State here. And here's why. Oregon. Their entire team played differently when Thibodeau went down. And we saw what happened in week one last week. They played Fresno State. They were just about 20-point favorites. They win the game 31-24. I'm not saying that Oregon didn't look good. It's not that they were bad. I thought the offense looked pretty solid. I thought that defensively, even without Thibodeau, I thought that they that they were doing okay. But what I'm saying is that he is the X factor in a game like this where you need that leadership and you need that force on the defensive line. Now, on the other side of the ball, I will say, I am genuinely concerned with what we saw from the Ohio State defense in their opener against Minnesota. However, what people forget is that we had seven guys making their first career starts on a Thursday night in a packed house in a conference game. We were playing without our our two starting cornerbacks. We were doing a lot of rotations at linebacker. And I'm not saying we're going to have it figured out because we we still do have a lot to figure out. But at the end of the day, in this game, I cannot pick against the Buckeyes because I think we, we still have too much firepower not to cover this line. So that's that's what I'm going with. Yeah, for me, I'm going Ohio State. um, And I think this is one of those uh, games where the betting public can use um, like these key phrases that, you know, these smart gamblers are all of a sudden starting to say, like public overreaction, look ahead game. Like we know that was baked into the line already. Like we look at the line sitting there. You said it, Kayvon Thibodeau, that injury is nuts. If he's not playing it, totally changes the defensive pressure they'll get on C.J. Stroud, but C.J. Stroud is mobile enough to get out of the pocket and make plays happen. 
They're going to need to throw to win the ball. Anthony Brown only 172 passing yards. If you watch that Fresno State game, it seemed like Ohio, it seemed like Oregon was on their side of the field every single possession. Listen, I talked about how good Fresno State's offense is. They have a bunch of returning talent, returning quarterback, returning running back, returning three wide receivers, but Oregon still allowed them to rack up 373 yards in game one. I cannot, in the right mind, play against the team that is giving up 373 yards to Fresno State with one of the best defensive players. Yeah, we know he went down, but whatever. That guy controls the defense. These are the players in the game. So I'm going to go ahead and back Ohio State minus 14 and a half. I wish I got it at minus 14, but let's be honest. Ohio State, except for teams that are absolutely elite defensively, they're going to score at least 35 points. I can forgive the 408 yards that they allowed because Ibrahim almost had 200 of those, and I do not think that C.J. Verdell is as good as Ibrahim. The one X factor that you guys have is Chris Olave. Chris Olave, 117 yards, two touchdowns. This man, I think that... You know, he's kind of, and this sounds like an Alabama thing to say, but I think that a lot of these wide receivers who who are older and they came back for another year were kind of inspired by Devonta Smith, where they they know they're instant playmakers. They just have to be on the field. They have to show their team that they're willing to, to score. They're willing to do whatever it takes. I think that Crystal Lobby will have another big game, about 100, 120 yards, a couple touchdowns. And then me and you talked about this before, Travion Henderson. You guys saved him last game. We could tell. But every time he touched the ball, he was clean and route running. A running back that has great hands and can run routes is dynamic because you can play him all three downs. But your stack, Master Teague, I think that Oregon, however, if you want to break it, if you want to say it was a look-ahead game, I still think that Oregon is overmatched. Like, I think Oregon puts up the 24 points, whatever. But I don't think that defense will be able to stop you guys. C.J. Stroud had a, a great great wake-up call in week one or refresh or whatever you want to call it because that first half he wasn't as sharp in that second half he kind of shook off the cobwebs or shook off the nerves and played well yeah and that second half from the Ohio State offense is only the beginning to what we're going to see this season yeah so you know that's that's where I'm at I think that's the Ohio State team that we see especially in this game I also read an interesting stat that in the Ryan Day era only two teams have held Ohio State under 38 points, and it was Clemson in the 2019 playoff, and it was Alabama yeah. in the 2020 playoff. You know Ohio State's going to score points. That's what yeah. we do in Ryan Day's system. And as you said, Oregon didn't really show me anything that shows me that they can stop this offense. So I'll gladly take the big point spread. especially. Yeah, I like that. I, I was going to try to get cute and say Oregon. The only way I think Oregon covers the spread here is if um, CJ has a couple of turnovers. But – Honestly, he did a very good job protecting that ball, even with one interception in the last game. I can't really blame that on him. All right, so next we have college game day, and it's a game that we like to talk about every single year, and it's always week two. We got this time it's a top ten matchup. Number ten, Iowa. Number nine, Iowa State in Ames, Iowa. Iowa State coming in here as four-and-a-half-point favorites. It's a 430 kickoff. Lay it on me. I'm going Iowa. What are they going for? Number six It's either they're going for number four, number six. They're going for number six straight number six. Iowa State. I don't really like backing the public. 75% of the public bets are on Iowa minus four and a half. But we look at the money. 70% of the money is on Iowa as well. Tyler Goodson, great running back. That defense held Indiana to 77 rushing yards, picked off Penix three times. I didn't see enough from Brock Purdy. You talked about it before. Brock Purdy has zero ability to stretch the field. And what happens when your quarterback shows 
the, it's not even if he has the ability, the unwillingness to stretch the field. What happens when your quarterback is unwilling to try to take shots downfield, you can load the box, which is why Brees Hall was only averaging three yards per carry in that match for Northern Iowa. I'm taking minus four and a half even on the road. Yeah, I'm I'm also going Iowa here, and I'm also trying to figure out, you know, what Vegas is seeing. Uh, you know, and I think it's appropriate to react the way you want to react to that Iowa performance. That was yeah. the real deal. This was an Iowa team that we've said in, in the offseason, very good. They're really deep. And Michael Penix is not a bad quarterback, no. though. But they made him look completely lost. I mean, dude threw three interceptions, two pick sixes by Riley Moss. Tyler Goodson looks like the star at running back that I knew he was going to be. And the problem is, is that Iowa State, you can call it a look-ahead game, but you even in a game like that, there's just no explosiveness in this Iowa State offense. Yeah, exactly. And they're facing a really good defense here. So I'm all over Iowa as well. Yeah, and, and I, I misspoken. It's Iowa plus four and a half. Excuse me on that. I So there's lines that you kind of – and the reason I'm elaborating on this, there's yeah. lines that you kind of look at for ranked teams on the road. Ranked teams on the road at plus four and a half is kind of like one of those – oh crap spots because I think generally the team who's plus four and a half to the plus five and a half region on the road and they're a ranked team they generally win the game outright um like you said Brock Purdy can't throw for 190 yards against 199 yards against this Iowa defense I think Iowa proved that they're elite people want to downgrade downplay Iowa year after year because they don't get explosive quarterback play they don't get good quarterback play their defense makes up for it. the quarterback just has to be serviceable and Petrus didn't make mistakes he was right. a serviceable quarterback he did the job you know everybody looked their part and it was yeah. just one game but again it, it was a quality opponent in Indiana who came in and just looked completely outmatched so going off of that four and a half you got to keep in mind here, Iowa going for six straight wins against the Cyclones. They've won four straight in Ames. They've lost this matchup only four times since 2007. Yes. All four of those losses were by three points or less. So take the four and a half. I, I, I love it. Don't overthink it. <laughs> All right, what's next? Next, we have the very disappointing Washington Huskies at Michigan. Michigan's a six and a half point favorite. I'll start with this one first. Michigan is in a very peculiar spot, and I even wrote down Michigan State in my notes because the last time Michigan had a big game, was supposed to be a big game, was uh, versus Michigan State early in the season. Michigan State lost their home opener and then bounced back, and Michigan thought Michigan State was going to be a rollover and lost. However, I'm going to back Michigan minus five and a half. There's a lot of lopsided victories in the first week of college football. Like we'll talk about one later, probably the next game is Tennessee, where that lopsided victory over Bowling Green is different than a lopsided victory over Michigan, over over um, over Western Michigan, because Michigan looked well on all aspects of the ball. Cade McNamara, McNamara might be Harborough's next big thing. Nine for 11, 136 yards and a touchdown. But listen, I know you're going to cover this. The rushing attack was sick. And I cannot excuse Washington losing to, to Montana 13-7. to No such thing as a look-ahead game versus Michigan. Offensively, they had no answers. One and five. I mean, one and four in their last five against the spread. Come on. Road game, traveling across the country. Let's be for real. Listen, last week, you and I were 3-0 and against the spread on games that we agreed on. Uh, I am also going with you here. And really, for, for everything that you just laid out, you know, I'm, I'm not going the other side. 
The thing is, it just I can't back Washington in this spot, having seen that performance last week. And again, it's it's another Iowa State situation where, yeah, it was week one, and it, and it, it was this really was that loss to Montana really a look ahead game? No, no, it was it was a situation where there's no identity. Yeah, there's there's, there's no. Washington is in a spot where they don't know what direction they're going right now. Dylan Morris was absolutely horrible. I can't imagine that he's still going to be the Washington quarterback by the time the night is up in Ann Arbor. But all signs are pointing that he gets another start. Dude throws three interceptions against Montana and they score seven points. And we know the Washington defense is going to be good. Yeah. But Michigan came out and looked really impressive on Saturday. They blew out the spread. Looked like they actually had an idea of what they wanted to do and establish on the offensive yes. side. Oh, it was nice. Really strong defensively early on. Now, they lost uh, Ronnie Bell for the season, which hurts because he was bad. trying to have a big year. But it's next man up. You yeah. and I have been saying this. Don't sleep on Harbaugh. He has still been bringing in recruits. Yep. Right? So whether or not you want to believe in him as a coach, the talent is still there. So if they can find a way to put it together with this new coaching staff, and, listen, and it was one game. Week two is for overreactions. Yeah. But when it comes to this one here, I'm not going to overthink it. No. And there's no way I'm going to back Washington plus six and a half with the way that they looked last week. Yeah, for me to actually be confident in taking anything under a nine-point spread with Washington, they'd have to actually prove me wrong once. And if they prove me wrong here, I might reconsider another game. But Michigan has an identity. And people forget that – Playing Western Michigan, I mean, for Western Michigan to play Michigan, that's a big deal for them. Western Michigan was up for that game, and they got steamrolled. Yep, those those in-state MAC rivalries are, yeah. are always, you know, like Ohio State plays like Bowling Green or Ohio or Toledo or Michigan yep. plays Western, Eastern. It, it's always a big deal. And again, as I said, they came in as 17-point favorites and, and blew the spread away. That, you know, as betters, that's always impressive. Yeah. doesn't matter who you're playing. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up college here uh, with Pittsburgh and Tennessee. Pittsburgh, three-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm going to let you start this one off as well. So I wanted to get cute, man. I wanted to get so cute and believe in Coach Heupel, believe in Joe Milton. I'm not touching Tennessee. I'm taking Pittsburgh. Better defense, better offense. Last season, Pittsburgh was the number three scoring defense in the ACC where you have against – and you're playing against a team who's not only – has a new identity. They have a new quarterback. When I talk to volunteer fans, I say, what do you think about Joe Milton? They said for Joe Milton to be an effective quarterback, he's going to have to stay in the pocket longer. This defense that Pittsburgh has loves to attack the cut. Excuse me. Loves to attack the quarterback. Pittsburgh four and one against the spread in their last five. One thing I'm really going to say that I'm really hype about too, is we're seeing public is hammering Tennessee, but I haven't seen the line move too much from three and a half and three which is making me fairly confident that there's a reason when you see over 80, I think it's 85% of the bets are on Tennessee. When you see action like that, but the line's not moving too much, that means because they know, they know which side Vegas knows which side they want to be on. And I want to be on that side, 598 yards against UMass. Come on, miles. What side are you going to be on? Yeah. I, Hey, I I'm, I'm with you. I I'm going Pittsburgh minus three and a half, obviously considered both sides, but here's the thing is that I think that Josh Heupel is going to be an absolute disaster at yeah. Tennessee. I think this is only the beginning they beat Bowling Green 38 to 6, but have a really disappointing first half. Yeah, Joe, it was like 10 to 6. <laughs> yeah, right. Joe Milton didn't look the part. He was 11 to 23. Pittsburgh, hey, they played UMass, but as you said, they looked impressive. Yes. And there's a lot to be said for that because Tennessee was playing a pushover too in, in Bowling Green. So 
for me, and I'm glad you brought up the line movement and things like that, because I think that everyone's hammering the brand name at home Yeah, against an ACC team where the ACC didn't have a good weekend. But this is a sneaky good Pittsburgh team. Always. I know that you are high on them, too, in, in, yep. in the offseason. They're always a sneaky good team. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I want to say too here, and a, a lot of times you can kind of go back and look at trends for your favor. So in Tennessee's lifetime, as a home dog, they only cover the spread 36% of the time. And mind you, this is Tennessee. That was a good Tennessee not yeah. too long ago. So that kind of really, it, it really concerns me. Like you said, they played Bowling Green. Let's be for real. Yeah. Home dogs are always an interesting situation. Yes. But hey, what do you know? We were 3-0. On games last week, we uh, agreed on. Hopefully, we go 4-0 this week. So, hey, I think we got something going on over in the NFL, right? Yes, yeah. Before we get to the NFL, guys, I want you to invite you guys to follow both of us on Twitter. It's Miles on Sports and at Mr. Brad Thomas. We'll both put our plays on there, our articles. You guys check us out, follow. And if you want to follow the podcast, it's at What's the Spread underscore. Again, that's at What's the Spread underscore. Nicely said. I think we got some uh, we got some interesting spreads to talk about here. Let's go ahead and start it off. The Browns and the Chiefs. Chiefs are six and a half point favorites. Let's see if we can start disagreeing a little bit. I'll go ahead and start with this one. <laughs> when it comes to the NFL, and if you've been listening to this podcast for years, you know this about me. When it comes to the NFL, I just have mantras that I follow and I stick to. Whether it's for better or for worse, I do it. The Chiefs. One nine in one against the spread in their last 11 games. Okay. It's because Vegas never sets a line that can actually beat. Yeah. But if you give me the Chiefs under a touchdown, I'm taking the Chiefs under a touchdown at minus six and a half. It's week one in the NFL. There's always surprises in week one in the NFL. But what I know to be true is that Patrick Mahomes is going to come out and have a strong performance, and the Browns are going to come out and look awful. They are 5-16-1 against the spread in their last 22 openers. When was the last time they won a week one game? Now, I know they only have to cover six and a half. Yeah. I don't know what side you're on. <laughs> I'm on the Browns. Browns plus six and a half. And honestly, from a betting standpoint, I'm actually going to wait to bet. The, so I'm going to take the Browns pregame and wait to try to get the Chiefs plus, I mean, minus three. So I want to get that kind of middle ground. Reason being, Browns have a great offensive line here, right? But if you look at it, they're deep at every position, great defense. The Chiefs have been trying to address their their offensive line for the past two seasons. I don't know if they did a good enough job. So now let's look at it statistically because anybody and everyone's going to tell you that the Browns look great on paper. I don't care about that. Like paper's only paper. That's just like when, uh, what was that, three seasons ago when the Giants spent the most money in the offseason for free agents and they end up having the second or third worst season out of any team. Paper means nothing. But for me, the Chiefs, an average margin of a victory was 5.7 last year. What happened very frequently, the Chiefs would get down a couple. They win the game by four, win the game by six. 40% cover rate at home. That kind of scares me. I think the line here, I think the line here is kind of tricky. I think this is one of those where a lot of betters are going to see Chiefs minus six and a half, and they're kind of hammering it. If you want to be on the Chiefs, my thing is go on the Chiefs now because the line's already moved from six to six and a half. I think we see as high as seven and a half in some books uh, by game time. Yeah. And if you want to bet the Browns, wait. Wait, because you're going to get seven, seven and a half. But if you want a good middle opportunity, I, I really do like the middle opportunity with the Browns. I like the Browns to cover the spread. I like the Chiefs to win the game. 
in the NFL, I think the average margin of victory in the NFL is something like four point something. I like that number because it covers both ends. You know, a blowout victory is the only way I think the Chiefs cover, and I, I, I'm, I'm high on the Browns this year. I don't know if I should be because we know what happens every year. We get high on a team. That high hype team always stinks, but I'm going to take plus six and a half. All right, what's next? Next, a game I'm very excited about. It's a battle of the Alabama quarterbacks. The Miami Dolphins are traveling to New England to take the Mac Jones Patriots. Three-point favorite for the Patriots. For me, Miles, I was trying to look. I pulled up quarterbacks like Matt Ryan, Stafford, Bradford, Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, uh, Robert Griffin, etc. Jameis Winston and uh, Mariota. Like, all the quarterbacks in their debut games. And I was trying to find, like, I was trying to find a reason why not to play Mac Jones. Why would I not? Why? What is the reason that I have to not bet the the Patriots? And I was trying to use quarterbacks as an example, and the only quarterbacks that really stuck out to me were quarterbacks who I wasn't terribly high on coming out of college, who had very poor performances. Matthew Stafford threw three picks, lost the game. Sam Bradford threw three picks, lost the game. Um, Tannehill, we know how how that comes in his debut, three picks, lost the game. Quarterbacks I was high on did exceptionally well from a statistical standpoint, like Kyler Murray, like Carson Wentz, Mariota, four touchdowns in Mariota's uh, first game. So I was like, why would I bet against the uh, against against the, uh, the the Patriots here? I can't do it. Fourteen and fourteen and six in their last twenty home games. Average margin of victory at home does scare me with one point six seven, but. The defense had a lot of players out last season, and finally, finally, Josh McDaniels and, and Belichick get a quarterback that can throw the ball downfield, make smart plays, and they can consistently drive the field. It doesn't have to be run, run, run. They're going to get a good dose of both. Of both, It's supposed to be a Tua boost year where Tua is supposed to be exceptional, but we all know that Bill Belichick plays against these young quarterbacks probably better than anyone. I think this is a turnaround year for the Patriots and I already have Mac Jones rookie of the year money, but if you were a true Patriots fan, I would not knock you for taking Patriots to win the division. I think Mac Jones has a good debut. As you said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in agreements there, but I picked this game for a reason and I picked it because I wanted to go with the Dolphins plus three. If if I remember correctly, I think I had the Dolphins as my division winner. I I, I just feel like everyone's forgetting about this Miami team. Yeah. And not only how well they played last year, but all the additions that that they made on the defensive side of the ball and to help Tua, who has a lot of weapons now. Now, there's no doubt the Patriots have a really good roster, and they made a lot of good moves. But at no point last year did they look like a good football team. As I said, it's it's a lot of different players. It's a different team. But for week one – I'm going to go with the plus three. I thought that the spread would be a little bit higher just because I figured that everybody would be hammering the Patriots. I don't know if it's going to move that much. But Miami, pretty good in division last year. They were 4-1 and one against the spread in their last five games against the division. 11-4 and four against the spread in their last 15 in the AFC. This Miami team is still good. This division is really good. You got three really good teams in the Bills, the Patriots, and the Dolphins, and these games will start to separate those. But for me... No, I, I can totally see why you're on the Dolphins. I mean, uh, if I remember correctly, Dolphins were the number one team against the spread last year. That's enough right there. And, and their average margin of defeat, uh, excuse me, yeah, average margin of defeat was four was under 4.6, which is covering the spread there. Um, I'm glad we disagree on two games. It'll 
have some back and forth banter. Yeah, no doubt. Let's see if we can make it three. Uh, we got Sunday night football, the Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Rams, which correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is the biggest spread of the weekend. The Rams yeah. are seven and a half point favorites at home. Matthew Stafford makes his L.A. Rams debut. I'll go ahead and start with this one. This is this is a situation where I'm comfortable with, with, with the seven and a half. Why? Andy Dalton. Lay it on me. I mean, listen, I think that this L.A. Rams defensive front is by far and above better than everybody else in the league. And you've got a guy like Andy Dalton coming from Chicago into L.A., where the Rams, by the way, in their last six week one games are five and one against the spread, including last year against the Cowboys, where they where, where their defense right off the bat looked like they knew exactly what they were doing from a game plan perspective. I just don't see the Bears moving the ball unless we see Justin Fields. But Bob, even then, I don't I don't know what to make of it. I'm in 100% agreement with you. I think this is one of those lines where a lot of people are going to think about the Bears of what two years ago with when Eddie Jackson, Cleo Mack, and just everyone was just going so nuts. Leonard Floyd. It's not the same Bears defense. And what was the what were the Rams missing last year? So with the Rams, every game they were dominating defensively. I mean, it was just gross. They were holding teams to like. 13 points in the games they would lose. They couldn't muster more than 10 points because Jared Goff was terrible. Losing Cam Akers hurts for the Rams, but I think if they had Cam Akers, this would probably be a 10-point spread. I still have faith in Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle. I'm going to take minus seven and a half. I mean, they're going against a team in the Bears, one and five against the spread in their last six versus the NFC. A Bears team who is, do you realize how much pressure is going to be on Andy Dalton on the road, prime time? Yeah. Versus an elite Aaron Donald, let's not forget about Sean Robinson, Roll Tide. Let's not forget their best receiver in Allen Robinson is going to be covered by Jalen Ramsey. I think that, okay, it's totally fair for everyone to want to be very high on the Rams this year. This is going to be a fun game. I think the Rams win by like 14 to eight, four, uh, excuse me, 14 to 17 points here. I just think that Matthew Stafford finally has, my God, a better offensive line a better play caller, a better system. And how many targets can you possibly ask for? It's just so fun to see the Rams, because that's that's that L.A. swag, see the Rams have a good quarterback and a good coach and finally promise. I think I think McVay, you know, he's an offensive genius. I think he's going to have the right game plan for Stafford in his first game. I think he's going to have a big night. And again, it's just the fact that I don't believe in the Bears to be yeah. able to find a way to move the ball. So I'll gladly take minus seven and a half. All right. What are we ending with? Last game is my biggest game of the week. It'll be my largest bet of the weekend. The Baltimore Ravens minus four opening up the Death Star versus the Oakland Raiders. I'm going to start with mine. I'll try not to start drooling everywhere. I'm taking the Ravens for a few reasons. Ravens in their last five home opener, I mean, season openers, five and zero against the spread. As Rhodes favorites, eight and three against the spread in their last 11. Ravens on the road, 22-11-1 against the spread since 2017. For me, I really thought that the Death Star opening would would be something different. I thought that Oakland would go ahead and not host fans in the preseason. But if you remember correctly, Miles, the preseason, when we were in Las Vegas, the fans were treating it like the regular season. They were so hyped, sold out the Death Star I don't care that J.K. That JK Dobbins is out. I don't care that Justice Hill is out. This team on the uh, Baltimore Ravens is seventh in total defense. Going against a very, 
very, very weak offensive line. They're going to be able to apply pressure. Well, you know what happens when you apply pressure on a, on a, against a team that's led by someone like John Gruden who wants to try to throw through pressure? You have to try to attack the secondary. Great. They have a great secondary, um, excuse me, for the Rams. I don't trust that the Raiders are going to make enough stops to combat how bad they're going to do on offense. And why I say that, I think there's going to be multiple turnovers for Oakland. I think there's going to be multiple sacks. I think there's going to be bad field position for Oakland leading to good field position for the Ravens. The Ravens know their identity and they know how to stop a team like, like the Raiders. Blitz, play press man coverage. Give me Baltimore Ravens minus four. This reminds me of that spread. Man, I want to say, oh, I'm trying to remember the team, but it was a, a, a four and a half point spread to start the season and they won by 30 something. It's a game that reminds me of that all hype. People are going to back the Raiders because they're opening their home stadium and for, fail to realize that this is not going to be a good team. Yeah, that Raiders plus four, uh, it's so tempting, especially in the NFL, right? Yeah. The NFL is the sport where you have the, like, the most casual bettors in America. This is where Vegas makes their money. Yeah. And the plus four on Monday Night Football, opening their stadium uh, finally with fans in there. It's, it's going to be rocking, but I'm not going to let it blind me from making a good bet. <laughs> no. The Ravens are coming in with quite possibly the best regular season quarterback in the league. He's back in his element. He's back in week one. I think Lamar Jackson has a huge night. And here's the other thing, too, is that everyone's seen all these injuries, right, for the Ravens. And they're forgetting, as you said, just the – what am I trying to say here? Just just the stats that – when you look at the stat book, you see consistency, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that the Raiders are completely overmatched on that side of the ball. You can have John Gruden and you can have as much name recognition as you want. If Derek Carr is still your quarterback, I'm not a believer. Yes. Especially in a week one matchup where the exactly. Ravens know what they're going to be doing. The Ravens know exactly for the last, what would you say? Well, since Lamar's MVP year, the Ravens know who they are. They know what they're going to do. And this is this sets them up nicely in a week one matchup where there's so much going on for the Raiders. You, you can almost, you know, look at all that as a distraction. Yep. I think Ravens win. And if they win, they definitely cover. So I'm with the Ravens, man. Hey, I appreciate that, Miles. Guys, thank you so much to listen to What's the Spread. Be sure to follow Miles on Twitter, me on Twitter. Our names are in the on the boxes. And be sure to download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or however else you get your podcast. Comment your favorite bets. Best of luck. All right, welcome back to The Goal Line, our new segment where we end every show by bringing in our favorite sports handicappers from the Twitterverse to make their expert picks of the week. This week, we have the football genius at Monotone Football. My man, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. Welcome, welcome. We are super stoked that you have some plays for us and that you are giving us your time to come on here and talk football. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm ready to go whenever you guys are. Sweet. So I uh, got a couple of your plays, and we did not cover this game. Um, but you are covering the game with Atlanta. Go ahead and start with your first play. Yeah, so we're starting out with, right now, we're going with Kyle Pitts, over 39.5 receiving yards in this game. So if you guys aren't familiar, Kyle Pitts is coming out of Florida. Um, so we've never actually seen him in an NFL game before, just 
so we can get that out the way. But um, Kyle Pitts is one of the most dominant tight end prospects we've ever seen. I mean, PFF pretty much had to make a new scale to grade him. Like he rates out even as a 97, just purely as a wide receiver on the PFF scale, even if you take away um, all the things he does as a tight end on the field. So this is a team that lost to Leo Jones um, over the offseason to the Titans, obviously, and they really didn't bring in anyone else to fill in that gap. So last year we saw Hayden Hurst. He hit this number in eight of 16 games which is pretty good. I mean, for a guy, Hayden Hurst is kind of a middling tight end, but now if we bring in someone that's so athletically dominant, um, like Kyle Pitts, I kind of expect this to be the lowest we're going to see this number all year. So I'm really, really big into this one. I like this number a lot. And me as a Kyle Pitts owner in fantasy, I really, really like that you're on this because you're a sharp mind and it's making me feel a little bit more comfortable for reaching for him a little bit. What's the next play that you have? Yeah, so sticking with in the same game, we're going um, Jalen Hurts over 20 or sorry, 39.5 rushing yards. So last season, if you're not familiar, he's the quarterback for the Eagles. And he actually did get to start last season. He only started four games, but he played three of them like the whole game. And the three games that he played the full game, he put up 69, 63 and 106 rushing yards. Um, so that's obviously well over this total. In the one game that he started and didn't finish, he played the first half before the team essentially tanked the second half. But he had 34 rushing yards in the first half. He was easily going to get that mark if he played the whole game. Hurts is someone that we don't quite know how he's going to do this year. A lot of eyeballs are on him. A lot of fantasy owners are kind of curious. But one thing we know 100% is his rushing floor is there. He's all, if, if the accuracy doesn't improve, if we don't, see that passer rating go up this year. We know he's going to turn to the wheels. He's going to run. He's going to be all over the place. And now we finally had coaching for him, a whole playbook made for him because last year he did not go into the season as the starter. So we focused on him all off season. And I really think he's in a prime spot to just take off this year. And I love this 39.5 number. It wasn't even this low last year in his fourth game against Washington. It was, it was like 47 or something like that. So I love this. Yeah, I think you made a really good point, too, about how they're, they've, they've got a playbook for him now. So they, they know how they want to use him. And I think at 39 and a half, I think that's an absolute steal. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I don't think you can um, talk about enough, like what a whole offseason happened or like can do for a running quarterback. Just ask Lamar Jackson a couple years ago. He won the MVP when that happened. So we'll Absolutely. See. I'm really excited for your last play because I think I've seen too many people on the other side. I have a play on this as well. Go ahead and explain it to us. Yeah, so it's the Washington football team money line at plus 105. So this is a game that's all over the place. Books are throwing out different numbers on different sides of the ball. Some books have the Washington as favorites. Some have the Chargers. It's kind of stabilized into the Chargers being one-point favorites. It's practically a pick them right here. Um, But I think this really comes down to the defense. And when you look at this Chargers team, We know Herbert is good. We obviously know that. But that offensive line, there are definitely some questions about it. We don't fully know how they're going to perform this year. I have them kind of middle of the pack to second, like second half of the league. I'm I'm not the biggest on the Chargers offensive line. And this Washington defense is just ferocious. I think it's probably going to be a top three defense, uh, defense in the NFL this year. And I really think that's what does it for me right here. Offensive playmakers for the Chargers, like Austin Eckler, I think are going to struggle a lot. Keenan Allen, when he's double covered, 
Um, Mike Williams now, like, I, I think it's going to be a little bit tough um, for the Chargers to do much on offense. And I, the Chargers have a solid defense. I think it'll be a close game. But I, I, my spread for this would be closer to Washington minus three. So I, I'm liking the value at plus 105. I can totally dig it. I'm on the exact same side as you. And for me, it's great defensive line versus bad offensive line. And despite how great Justin Herbert played last year, he's still a young quarterback who's going to have pressure in his face every single play. It's not one of those teams they're playing against who has, you know, one or two playmakers on that defensive line. It's every single player can get into the backfield. Every single player will be in the backfield frequently. So he's going to constantly be against pressure. And we'll see how they manage the game. I, I don't see I don't see Washington losing this game by a big number. If we lose, it's going to be something cheap late like a field goal to win it. And I like my chances with a better defensive line. It's a great opportunity for one of the best defenses in the NFL to make a statement that that's, that's what they're here to do. And especially against a guy like Herbert, who is getting all the hype. And for good reason, as you said, you know, he, he played really well last year, but let's see how he does here in, 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 in the first week against one of the best front sevens in the entire league. So a lot to watch there. Absolutely. I thank you so much for, for jumping on. Guys, be sure to follow Monotone Football. It's at Monotone Football 1L. Great, great football mind. Has articles all over the place that I love to tell. Love to chat with him on the DMs and and get his insights. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, Any last words you want to part with here? I just appreciate you guys having me. Hopefully I can come on again. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. You guys, be sure to download the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or however else you get your